Uh, so yeah, my name is Lewis, and I am recovering an adult child. Hi. Thanks for uh, inviting me to speak here. I just think it's so cool what you guys are doing here, and uh, making the podcast available. I've been referring to people to them as I learned about it. Um, so yeah, this is my first time actually at this meeting. I was invited to speak and share, and I appreciate that. So my understanding is we read something out of the Big Red Book, and I um, picked something. I tend to paraphrase a little bit, but it all is original text, but I did condense it down into uh, something to read. It's from Big Red Book, Chapter 2, uh, on the section on identifying perfectionism, which is pages, at least on the version I have, of 36 to 39. Um, I've sort of come to understand that the problem in ACA is uh, sort of outlined in chapters one and two, and the solution is chapters seven and eight. And from a reparenting perspective, um, we oftentimes think of chapter eight as the solution in reparenting. And um, from a reparenting perspective, I really understand chapter two as a problem as far as uh, really lying out what, what the uh, inner critical parent looks like. So I'm going to start reading here uh, an excerpt, and this is under the perfectionism, uh, which implies to me. There's a difference between parents challenging their children to reach higher and to improve and the damaging perfectionism in which the bar keeps being raised beyond reason. Perfectionism is a response to a shame-based and controlling home. The child mistakenly believes that she can avoid being shamed if she is perfect in her thinking and acting. However, expectations are continually raised in these kinds of homes. Shame or the feeling that we have failed our parents seems to occur no matter what we do. During these moments, a critical inner voice begins to form. This is an early sign of internalizing our parents' hypercritical attitude. These are the seeds that lead to a lack of self-acceptance. We may have known our parents cared for us, but we were not sure if they would love us if we failed or performed less than perfectly. Their inconsistency in showing their approval made matters worse. We could not tolerate their disappointment. Their silence or turning away from us in displeasure cut deeply. We would do anything to win their approval, and we'd have great difficulty accepting mistakes as adults. Most of us agonize over mistakes because we internalize the error as failure. We believe we are the mistake instead of understanding that we make mistakes. And um, yeah, I came from a home uh, sort of born of two worlds. Uh, my dad's side of the family. Um, comes from New York City, New York and Long Island, and I was born in New York City in Manhattan. And my mom's side of the family are come from Lutheran homesteaders in western Kansas. And um, my two parents found each other, and my mom was going to, uh, to grad school in New York at NYU. My dad was going to NYU for grad studies. They met, and uh, the dysfunctional explosion uh, happened. Um, they didn't see it that way, of course, but... Um, but that's what happened. And so I was born out of that. I'm the oldest of three. I'm the oldest uh, boy. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. And I was raised in a family. Uh, when I first came to ACA, it was hard for me to see some of my experience, especially in the context of reparenting and the inner critical parent. It was hard for me to really see that um, in myself and understand where that came from. I knew that there was a harshness inside of me. But a lot of what I initially read and understood the critic to be was uh, some sort of mirroring or exact words or verbiage that I heard from my parents. And I didn't hear condemning awful uh, type messages from my parents. If anything, I heard the opposite. Uh, I heard a lot of praise. I heard about um, how awesome I was, what an exceptional child I was. And through that, um, how I should work to excel in everything that I do. And um, 
And so it didn't quite click for me what that inner critical parent was about. I was like, I didn't, I didn't grow up in harshness. I also didn't identify with perfectionism. I was like, I, I never felt like I needed to be perfect. Uh, but what I came to realize was that um, I did have a sense that I needed to be at least in the top 95 percentile. And uh, for me, somehow that didn't click as needed to be perfect, right? Um, but I think that's just sort of the nature of what I was dealing with. So growing up, um, I achieved and I excelled at everything. And um, and I think it's it's very clear to me that as far as trying to find a way to feel okay about myself in the world, um, that was really my first medicator was competition, achievement, and uh, people pleasing and approval seeking and getting that uh, getting that approval. Uh, but I've come to understand that under the the critical parent um, really more than anything as something that grows in the absence of unconditional love. Hmm. And um, and I it is hard for me to look at my childhood and believe that I wasn't loved. And I do believe that I was loved uh, in by both my parents in their own ways. Um, and I was shown affection at times, but for me, the difference and, and, um, and the problem was that it was conditional and really it was more conditional approval than it was unconditional love. And I had to uh, perform for that approval and for that affection. And the hardest thing for me in, in, you know, and I think it sort of lays out there in what I read was um, withholding. Um, so I was taught to uh, form a dependency on that approval. And I didn't need, you know, someone to tell me I wasn't doing things the right way and stuff like that. All I needed was silence for my own inner critical parent to kick in and to take over. Uh, I wasn't verbally abused. I was taught to verbally abuse myself. I think the other thing that I, I recognized through more work in ACA and as I've, as I've been doing my ACA recovery work and reparenting work is that the critic isn't also, we, we oftentimes hear, hear it explained as a voice, but it doesn't appear to me as a voice. And I think for a lot of people, it's not necessarily a voice. Um, there was only one word that really clicked with me that uh, my inner critic would use and that was loser. And for me, that was the worst thing I could be in the world to make a mistake, to feel like I lost at something that I wasn't coming out on top. And that with that, anything other than exceptionalness was failure. But I didn't hear words berating me oftentimes sort of with that inner dialogue. And I had to understand that um, and, and doing through the recovery work that I've done, the reparenting work that I've done, is that oftentimes it's more of a feeling in my body. That's how I've come to understand that that critical aspect of me, that critical energy is activated. I can feel it in my body. I could feel it. I could felt nervous as I was starting to speak today. And I still feel a little bit nervous today. And I've been doing this for five or six years, right? But there's something inside me. I can feel that if I don't do this right, something bad's gonna happen. Or if I don't perform correctly, whatever it is, whatever the condition is, again, I don't hear the words, I just feel it in my body. I feel a contraction uh, and I feel fear. And uh, I've come to understand that is uh, the inner child in me, that my inner kid is being terrified. And it's what I've come to understand is that the worst of it has been me terrifying myself. So, um, in ACA, as I have gotten more involved in service work, I've been focusing really sort of on two areas. Um, one is um, working with beginners and 
So for me, uh, you know, I tried some other 12-step programs and um, they weren't going to work for me. I was raised in a 12-step home. Uh, when I was about eight, I'm 50 now, and when I was about eight, uh, my mom got into AA, my dad got into Al-Anon, and around eight or I don't know, nine or ten, I was dragged, and I'll say dragged, to Alateen. I, I didn't want to go at that age. But a lot of the dysfunction that happened in my home was in the language of 12-step programs, and that was incredibly challenging for me. So um, I was also raised fairly religiously. I was raised Jewish. Uh, my dad's side of the family, New York Jews. My mom's side of the family, uh, very, uh, I don't know if evangelical is the right word, but very Lutheran in Western Kansas. Um, and so again, sort of exemplifying me coming from two different worlds. But um, So while both my parents were in recovery, both of them in their 12-step programs, my family home was still incredibly dysfunctional. And the language of that dysfunction that I experienced was in 12-step language. And that made it really, really tough for me. The other piece was around sponsorship, that uh, both my parents were rescuers in who they were, in their ACA traits, they're both ACAs, and they were both rescuers. And a lot of what they loved to do in their programs was to sponsor. And in their sponsorship, that actually uh, was facilitated my abandonment as one of their child, as one of their kids. Uh, they were always sponsoring. They were never around. They were always out helping everyone else. Um, and so I got a bad taste for sponsorship from that perspective. But I also know that um, I have a lot of authority issues. And so um, as I looked towards sponsorship in other programs, as I came to ACA, I just knew that it wasn't going to be a fit for me. So in almost six years of ACA, I've never had a sponsor. I've never sponsored anyone else. But I have explored ways to make myself available and to um, see if, as a program, we can find alternative ways of supporting, in particular, beginners coming into the program. So um, I created a team. I headed a team that developed a beginner's handbook uh, based on uh, the Big Red Book and other, other fellowship materials. And we started some meetings. And so I've been doing a lot of work in that area. But then the other area that I've been working into, uh, and actually maybe I'll just plug it too. So uh, that handbook can be downloaded at acahope.com if you're interested. But the other work that I've been doing has really been focused around reparenting. And so I'm volunteer with WSO, World Service Organization, in the literature, uh, with the literature committee. And there's a project now that's uh, developing some new literature um, specifically around also working with newcomers to the program. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the time. And um, and with that, so I'm long and short is I'm heading the reparenting writing of that chapter. Uh, so I've done quite a, a lot of deep work in in the big red book of trying to understand um, the dynamics and, and how that plays out in chapter eight and reparenting and then chapter two also. Um, and then, so yeah, part of the way I found myself here was I was doing a workshop on reparenting. And so um, one of the things that I think is cool with reparenting, and so again, my topic's perfectionism is sort of focusing on the critic, but it's sort of reparenting in general. So one of the things that ACA is expanding upon, it looks like, is to include another part in the reparenting picture, which I think is very cool, and that's the inner team. And so I just kind of wanted to mention that because that's another sort of manifestation where a lot of um, critic criticalness or harshness uh, is something that I discovered in my life, and, and it makes sense to me. And so while I was raised in an environment uh, that didn't have a lot of that critic energy, 
I did take on the tactics uh, and the dysfunction of my family. And so my parentified child uh, expression in some way, I think of this as an inner teen. And so for me, that inner teen embodies also that critic energy. Um, and for me, the way I understand it as, as being um, more reactive though, um, usually that, that teen gets on me um, and comes at me when I haven't spoken my truth and I haven't set a boundary. Um, and when that happens, uh, that teen energy can be incredibly harsh and, and tough. And um, for me, best little boy in the world uh, type, um, I was uh, really busy placating everyone and being who it is that everyone else needed. And I didn't have a lot of room for anger. So also in my recovery, uh, in working with the critic energy has been also allowing energy uh, of anger to arise and being much more in touch with that feeling and learning how to work with that. So. Um, I talk about it as my my teenager with the flamethrower popping out because when my toes get stepped on, uh, that's very new for me. Um, I know a lot of other people with different experience in the program and they're very in touch with their anger and their rage. But for me, that was something that was very new. And learning to reparent that part of myself has been just as important as learning to reparent the more tender, contracted parts of myself too. So I've come to understand that teen as being a part of me that comes out and protects the more vulnerable parts of me. And so when I work with that anger and that criticism, the goal for me is to get below that energy and to find really the uh, tender child inside of me still. Uh, but adding that other dynamic too has been important for me. I'll also say that um, the reading that I did today in sort of that achievement focus and that perfectionism, um, Coming to understand that in the way that it's affected me in my adult life um, has also been incredibly eye-opening. You know, I would get an interview at a job and I would talk about perfectionism as something uh, that was a positive attribute, right? I'm a perfectionist and you want that because I'm a good employee, right? Well, that perfectionism and a lot of my critic energy uh, helped me build a really great resume, but it's also been incredibly debilitating in my life and incredibly painful. And, um, you know, what brought me to ACA uh, was really about two minutes. Thank you. Um, what brought me to ACA was when a perfect storm arose. And part of that was a company that I had created crumbled. And, um, I just want to share one little anecdote because it sort of elucidates, I think, and illuminates, um, that, that perfectionism and, and the relationship that I had to it. And so I was at a point and my, my, my company was crumbling. My dad is sort of a businessy type guy. And we were talking on the phone and he said, um, you just need to find the right guy. You need to find the right person to replace this person. Here's the strategy. Here's what you need to do. And I remember at that point, I remember at that point telling him, dad, I don't need a strategy. I just need to tell you, I'm really scared right now. I'm just really scared. And the phone call got quiet. And we hung up and we never talked about it again. And it's helped me realize that that is what I grew up with as a little kid, that I can't bring certain feelings. I couldn't bring certain feelings to my dad. And so I learned to disown them for myself. And so for me, reparenting has been able to reclaim all parts of myself and reclaim all feelings that I have and to uh, allow a part of me inside to arise and to uh, meet those feelings and those inner children uh, with the unconditional love I didn't get as a child. So thank you. Thank you for letting me share.